just come around some thoughts about how Jesus loves to party. And in many ways, I know with you guys as a group of people that I'm kind of preaching to the converted, um, because you, I know you, most of you like a good party. And, um, Rachel, definitely. Um, I was just pondering this week how strange maybe some of our parties have been over the last couple of years. I don't know about you, but you know, in terms of how you celebrate, I was thinking back to my birthday um, in the first uh, round of lockdowns, um, and that that consisted of six people walking in twos in opposite directions round a park, holding a balloon <laughs> with a little bag with some birthday cake in it. And a, and a little bottle of something so that when we occasionally met at a distance somewhere around the park, we could have a, a little toast and um, how strange. I'm sure you've all got stories about the weirdnesses of how we celebrate. Um, but what I love is that we kept trying. And I've really been um, the last few weeks pondering a lot about, like, why, why is it? You know, we, you know, oh, I like a party. But what is it about that? You know, why, why are those things so kind of significant to us? And what is it in the, in the kind of the way God has made us in our inner being that those things matter enormously to who we are as people? Yes, they're fun. I'm just going to say that up front. Well, look, sometimes they can be fun. Um, but I want us to take a little bit of a look. Um, and I was going to take some time. So sorry, Angela, I'm not going to stop now and read. Angela was going to read us one of the stories. Um, but just for uh, time's sake this morning... I'm just going to whiz through them. We're kind of on a, a little bit of a um, three three parties in a wedding. Um, there's been a few movies around something similar to that this morning. Um, but on the 5th of June, um, as you may or may not know, there are some celebrations coming up that first weekend in June. If you know it for no other reason, it will probably be because you're getting an extra bank holiday day. So if there's no other level you can celebrate and rejoice on, it's because you get another day hopefully off work. Um, but on the Sunday, church for us on the 5th of June, church for us as a community is going to look like being in Bits Park. Um, so it's really exciting. So we've, we've got, uh, some of you will remember a few years ago, we had the Queen's 90th birthday, uh, followed by, um, a Christmas party, uh, for the city. So all in one year, uh, a number of the churches, including ourselves, got involved, um, with hosting a couple of parties for the city. And it came up again as a, um, you know, the city wanted to do something. And one of the things, guys, in reflection was what is it that makes, you know, some, what, what takes something from just being an event and a few fun things that we can do to being a really different place and being a place where God's kingdom can come and where we, as part of his community, can be the people who stand in that place. So I really want to encourage us guys, sometimes, you know, we can stop at the thought of that this is, you know, this is just a party, this is an event, it's a fun thing to do. But I really want us to press in this morning on just a few little thoughts that I've had about why this space matters and why it matters for us as those that love Jesus to be present in that space. And I think the other thing, just a clock, which I think is really exciting, I don't really know what it's going to mean on the day, but I love the fact that it's June the 5th. And June the 5th is Pentecost Sunday. 
And I love the fact that on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to be in a public space with a whole ton of people, some who know Jesus, many who don't know Jesus, but wanting to be a people who bring life wherever we go and bring welcome wherever we go. So I'm really expectant and I'd love to invite us guys for anyone who wants to. I don't quite know. I'll put something out, but I would love over the next few weeks leading up to that for anyone who's up for it to gather and pray together towards that time. Because I really believe that God wants to do something always when we step into a space and we welcome other people to come and join us in that, when we make a way for them. So the stories um, this morning, I'm just going to really quickly mention, and, and then in a sense, I just encourage you to go away and read them afresh. They're really well-known ones. For those that have been around a long time, um, you might have learnt them in Sunday school. For those of you that did um, in, uh, religious instruction in school, you may have been taught them there because some of them are really well-known stories. But each one of them, I think, comes around some of these really key things that the Father wants to do in a space where we come together. So the first one is, um, we've got the story that Johnny mentioned this morning um, about Jesus. So we have at the beginning of the book of John, John's writing the story um, about when Jesus basically does his, his very first kind of public miracle, and that's at a wedding. So there's our wedding. Then we've got three other um, stories. One is a guy called Levi. So Levi was a guy who um, was a tax collector. He was a very wealthy man. He was a very despised man of the day. He was not, would not have been looked upon well um, by what was seen as the church of the time. And um, Levi, Jesus, sees him one day collecting taxes, the very worst of things that, that a uh, person who was Jewish um, would be there taking the taxes on behalf of the Romans. And Jesus steps into his world and gives him an invitation and says, come and join me. So Levi uh, invites Jesus. It says he puts on a really lavish banquet. So here we've got a, we've got a, a celebration and he invites all his dodgy friends, essentially, um, and Jesus goes and has a meal with them and takes a lot of criticism for being somebody who would be willing to do that. But Jesus puts himself in that place of celebration and feast. And then we've got the parable of, so it's actually three stories and a parable. A parable being a story that Jesus told to demonstrate or illustrate something. And so it wasn't, in a sense, a true story, but it was a representation. And he tells a story that many of us will know about a younger, a, a, a father who has two sons, and the younger son decides to take his inheritance and go off and spend it on all sorts of things that would not have been honouring to his father. It would not have been the way of his household. And he squanders it and loses it and finds himself in a really, really dark place. And in that dark place, and probably the worst place that somebody could ever find themselves um, as, as a Jewish son, he remembers that even the servants in his father's household are treated better. And so he kind of prepares a little speech that he'll go back to his father with, where he'll say to him, look, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, um, but if you would just take me in, I will work um, as part of your household. And so he practices this speech, and then he finds his way home. 
And in the, the finding of his way home, it says the father runs out, he throws his arms around him, and the speech that the son has prepared, where he begins and he literally starts to get it out of his mouth, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And before he can finish what he's saying, the father throws his arms around him and says, you know, not, not even interested in that right now. And he starts calling to the others in, 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 the, in his household and says, you know, bring a robe, bring a ring. And he starts to clothe him and cover him. He starts to take, you know, what had become dirty and soiled and replace it with the family sort of covering again. He puts a ring, identity, the family identity back on his finger. He's, you know, that, that is the entire orientation at that moment of the father's heart. And then the other story that I absolutely love, being of slightly, being vertically challenged myself, is the one of Zacchaeus. Because I think in a crowd I would have been like Zacchaeus, um, trying to climb trees to see what was going on and to, and here was a guy again, who just had a heart, he wanted, he had heard about this guy Jesus and he wanted to see for himself. And so he climbs a tree as he hears that Jesus is coming by, just in the hope that he'll get to see him. And what does Jesus do? Jesus approaches the tree. So not only is this, you know, in some of the other stories, Jesus gets invited to somebody's house. But I love in this, he goes that step further, where he goes to the tree and says, Sakia, come on, come on down. I'm coming to your house. He invites himself in. He pursues. He goes that extra mile. Not to wait to be invited, but to say, Zacchaeus, I just want to come. And Zacchaeus puts on a meal. So all of these four stories tell us something, just in really simple ways, guys, about the significance and the beauty of who our Heavenly Father is. And when John, um, in, the, in the first part of the book of John, he describes it like this, and I think it's so important when we go into any space, isn't it? And as we go into a, a party space where we might be um, serving some tea and coffee to somebody. But John says this, the word Jesus, he became flesh and blood, and he moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous, inside and out, true from start to finish. So just after that, there's the, 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 he then tells the story of Jesus um, at a wedding. So he's gone to a family wedding along with his mother and a few others. And some of you may know the story well, so forgive me as I just tell it a little bit for, for maybe those that don't. So they're at this wedding, and as we know from, um, you know, from uh, Jewish weddings, it was a legal requirement for the family to provide um, the drink and the food. It, it was a really binding thing when you held a wedding in those days, very different to the way it might be for us today. And it, so it was a tremendous responsibility on the family to make sure everybody's well-fed and well-watered. 
And in this particular story, Mary notices, so Jesus' mother notices that things are starting to run out. The wine is starting to run down. Major catastrophe. And for some of us in the room, that might just feel like a catastrophe as well, um, because a little bit of wine at a party is a nice thing. But in that culture, it was far more than that. It was a deeply shaming thing. So there there were only two reasons that they were running out. They had either been thrifty and not spent enough, or they were poor and didn't have enough. So if whichever those two kind of situations they found themselves in, they were about, as the wine ran out, they were about to face a a really um, shaming exposure of their situation. And so at that point, it's not Jesus, but Mary who notices this, And says, Jesus, you know, comes to Jesus and says, the wine is running out. You know, you need to do something about this. She clearly believed that he could. (laughs) She had faith in him, even though um, he had never performed a miracle up until that point. But she had absolute faith that he was who he said he was and could do something to change this. But I think it's really important, guys, for us to clock, partly for our own hearts, but also as we think about the places and spaces in the city, whether it be at this party or any other place we we are, you know, the things that are going on in people's hearts. And as always, Jesus doesn't just respond to the physical situation. He responds to the heart and the question that Mary is asking. So Mary's basically gone into a bit of panic. She's experiencing a trigger. She's gone to Jesus. What are we going to do? You know, these guys are about to experience um, a shameful... Um, you know, exposure in front of any, everyone. You've got to do something. And, and Jesus says, what's it got to do with us, Mary? And I wonder if in that place, you know, I've often thought, you know, what, what were weddings like for Mary? She had not gone the usual journey. Her whole journey had been one of shame and rejection as she came into motherhood, as she approached Um, being betrothed to Joseph. Her journey had been steeped in that place. And so here she was, I wonder, facing a situation where the the, the sort of the, the question of her heart was getting exposed. You know, here we are, we're about to face, Jesus, another shaming experience. What are you going to do about it? And he just speaks into it and he says, you know, it's not, it's, that's not for us to it's not our shame, Mary. It's not our shame. And I think when we look at all of these stories, the whole story of the shame that we face, you know, many times, and if you've been around church for a while or maybe you've heard about church, it's so often related to, you know, we hear the word sin talked about a lot. But I want to suggest that for us sometimes, Shame can be one of the biggest barriers that we wrestle with, whether we know Jesus or whether we don't. And shame is the thing that just says something is just not quite okay with you, and therefore it needs to be hidden. And Jesus was addressing it in his mother. He addresses it within the story of the younger son, where the father just robes and covers Because that's what Jesus does, guys. When we experience shame, and that can be an ongoing journey. I don't know about you, you know, it's something I still have to bring before the Father on a regular basis. 
where everything in me says, oh, I'm just not quite okay. And I have to come back again and afresh and say, Father, what do you say? What's your view of me? And allow him to bring me back into that restorative place of how he sees my heart. So I think, guys, when we come, and the invitation on the 5th of June is for all of us to be a part of that day. Um, I can tell you more over the next couple of weeks, but it's, you know, simply um, we have offered to the city to hold the spaces like we did a few years ago. Um, We had an amazing team, um, Kaz leading the charge, of welcome. And these guys went out into the four corners of the city, um, away from the, where the main event was happening, and they welcomed people into that space. They said, come and join the party. And I think, you know, the, 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 the key things, as we go into a space, there'll be a, 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 we can have a space to hold a cafe where people can just come and sit and talk and be. We've got some fun stuff going on as well for those that would like to get more involved in doing some stuff with children. And, yeah, there's all sorts of different ways that you can be a part of it on that day. But what I know the Father is asking us to do and whatever we get involved in is is the how. What's going on? You know, Jesus prayed and turned water into wine. But there was so much more going on under the surface of that story than the story itself, than the wine um, or, or the wedding. And that's the opportunity for us in that, guys, is is to um, open this space where shame can be covered as we encounter people, as we welcome people into that space, as we allow them to be seen and known a little bit more, we, we can stand in that place and see his kingdom come over people's hearts. I think the things that, that sort of in all of these stories that struck me, and Andy, I think you prayed it when you or spoke when you were just opening this morning, you know, and you said there's a place around the table. You know, so whenever we come around a party, when we host something, when we gather people, whatever it might look like, we're saying to people, you know, when we make a space for somebody at our table, the profoundness of that, the, the aspect of the kingdom in that is you have to invite the person to come and join you at the table. You have to literally, you know, you've got to have sent an invitation, don't you, for a person to turn up. So you've seen them, whoever they are, you've seen them, you've said, come and, and be a part of this. So there's deep, there's deep knowing and seeing of another human being when we open a space for somebody at our table. So we get to invite people into that, and then when they come, we welcome them. It's one of the things, isn't it, that we've always, you know, I know, I know around here we can sometimes be, it feels a little bit cliche when we say, you're so welcome. But guys, it's not a cliche thing, it's a declaration of heaven over every person, over every heart, in any space we go, we're saying, you know, welcome in. You know, we're stepping into Zacchaeus' house. We're accepting the invitation to, 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 to be in places that others might think are unacceptable. Why? Because we see the worth and the value of the person 
who's front, in front of us, and we're willing to follow the Father into those places to allow those people to be drawn in, to be welcomed in to his family. And like with the younger brother, you know, when he came home and the father covers him and he places a robe on him and he puts that ring on his finger, the, the, the sort of the family uh, authority and identity. But guys, we get the opportunity to call people into their true identity when we see them and we make, make space for them. Um, there was a, when we did the Christmas in the city, um, there was a, when we cleared up at the end, we had a cafe space, and when we cleared up at the end, there was a Christmas card uh, that had been left in an envelope on the table, which someone in the team opened. And in it, it was from a guy, a gentleman called Mike, and he just shared in this, he'd written a little letter to say, just come down for that day, didn't know uh, that anything was going on in the city centre, and he just shared a little bit of his story, and he said a few months ago, well, he said, for the first time ever in my life, I find, I find myself homeless. So he said, a few months ago, I was made redundant. He had lost his work, and, and his wife had um, decided to kick him out. So he'd lost his job, he'd lost his home, he'd lost his family. And he said, I'm, just, I'm sitting here for the first time ever facing kind of a homeless situation at the age of 50. And he said, I just want to thank you because I found a warm space and a, and a group of people who were willing to welcome me and just make room for me because I had nowhere else to go. And so, guys, I, I really want us to just sit with the, you know, the sense of, you know, we may just think when we, we do things like this in the city that, that it's, it's kind of, it's a bit of fun, um, and, it, and it is, and, you know, it, it's, we just want to be a part of things, we want to support things that go on in the city, that's all true. But as we step into those places, guys, that's what we carry of the kingdom. And that's the possibility of what we get to see, that his kingdom can break out um, in those places as we go. So I think... I think that's probably um, where we'll leave it this morning. Um, but I just, I would love to just, just leave us, I guess, with an invitation. Uh, and the invitation, in a sense, is not from me, it's not from Andy and Rhoda, it's not from Carlisle Vineyard. But I think a little bit, you know, what I was just really struck by reading that little book about the Queen and her response to the father when he came to her and said, here's a role, you know, will you fulfill it? And, and her response is, yeah, Father, I will do, you know, whatever it is that's on your heart. And it's turned out for her to be a very big role. But I think as we go towards this, guys, at the beginning of June, um, it may seem like a very practical uh, space. It might just seem like, as I say, it's a cup of coffee and, and, a, and a, you know, a, a chocolate as somebody comes into that space. But I want to invite each one of us to just consider and ask the Father, like, what part can I be in that? Who can I be praying for as we move towards that? Because I can absolutely, with certainty, guarantee that the Father is going to bring people into that space on that day that need to know they're loved, that need to know that they're welcome, to need to know that there's a place of safety, to need to know that, you know, that there is somebody looking out for them. 
They need a space where they may have never been seen before. And as we listen to the Father, and as we kind of take that that hard attitude of Mary, where she says to the servants, just do whatever Jesus tells you to do. I don't know how he's going to fix this. I don't know how he's going to do his miracle. I'm not sure what that's going to look like. But my heart stance is one of, I'm just going to say yes to whatever it is that Jesus does, because I know that that's where the, the miraculous can happen and that's where the transformation can come. So yeah, as we uh, finish this morning, that that's the invitation, guys. It's not, you know, for this, this is not a, a in a sense a rota. It's not a list of spaces that we need to fill in order to be able to host those spaces for people in the city. But it really is, really truly believe it's a place where the kingdom um, has an opportunity to break into lives. So let's just pray. Father, I just I want to thank you um, for each of those uh, stories that show us who you are, what your heart is like, that you are a, a father who covers us in the, the, the shame and the wrestle and the not always feeling and be, feeling like we're okay. Father, that you come and you speak into that and you cover that and you transform that and you are a father who longs to shift that. So, Father, I just want to speak to our, over our hearts now that any places and spaces, Father, where we still wrestle with thoughts that are not yours, of beliefs that are not what you declare about us, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to keep working into those spaces of our heart, to keep welcoming that part of who we are, Father, into the truth and the reality, Father, of how you see us, how you feel towards us. And Father, I just want to ask that you would speak to each of our hearts this morning. Father, in whatever way, whether it's a yes or a no, or in what capacity, Father, how you want us this week, and as we move towards this party, Father, how you want us to respond to that. And Jesus, we just say, like Mary did, Jesus, whatever it is that you tell us to do, would you help us to have hearts uh, that can echo that, that we're just up for doing whatever it is that you tell us to do? Father, so that, so that purely we can see your kingdom come and your love break out, Father, your hope to come into lives. And I believe, Father, that you're going to have specific words for people and specific things to share over people, and and opportunities to stand and pray with people, Father, in that space because of what you see in their lives. So we just welcome you into that, Father. And I just want to just speak a blessing, Father, your full release over each heart in this room as we go into this week, that, Father, our hearts would know how truly loved we are by you that you have made a specific place for each one of us at the table. And, Father, the table is empty without us. So, Father, help us to know, uh, yeah, where our space is this week, Father, what you're calling us to do, and give us the courage to ask in our hearts to say yes to you in whatever way that looks like. We ask all these things in your name, Lord Jesus.